Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You ever seen a ghost? Been abducted? Heard your name whispered from the other room when you're all alone? No, you say? Me either. But if you're like me, you're still fascinated by the paranormal. It seems everyone else has had an experience, and you want to believe it all. So why doesn't it happen to us? What does it all mean? How does it work? Is any of it real? Welcome to Paranorm Girl a show that will attempt to answer these questions by taking the paranormal completely apart in search of proof. I'm not a blind believer, nor a hardened skeptic. I'm just looking for answers and willing to accept what I find. Welcome back to the Paranorm Girl podcast. I am your host, Kristen. Today we kick off our between-season sabbatical with a really fun and interesting talk with Spooky Bee Paranormal lead investigator, Hannah Bird. She has had some really interesting experiences that she's going to share with us today about some of her investigations and personal experiences. But it's going to be so much more than that, as you'll see. Uh, Just a casino full of pinball machines in my head sometimes, but you're going to love her and our chat. Before we begin, want to play a quick promo of what is becoming one of my favorite paranormal podcasts, Somewhere in Dreamland, hosted by Ken Mark. If you're like me, you're always looking for a new show to sink your teeth into, and this one is an excellent choice. Are you into the paranormal, true ghost stories, Bigfoot and alien encounters, or high strangeness and conspiracies? Well, if so, then you should check out my podcast called Somewhere in Dreamland. My name is Ken Mark, and every week I interview authors, researchers, and experiencers alike in the fields of the paranormal, cryptozoology, ufology, and spirituality. So why not take a dive down that rabbit hole with me and search for Somewhere in Dreamland wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Somewhere in Dreamland. If you love all that spooky, bizarre, supernatural, cryptid jazz, you name it, Ken and his guests are probably going to cover it. Go give Somewhere in Dreamland a listen anywhere you get your podcasts. Also want to tell you about Wicked Cat Clothing. Spooky season doesn't last just a month. Shop Wicked Cat Clothing year-round to get your horror, paranormal, spooky, and Halloween apparel. Go to wickedcatclothing.com and save 30% off on apparel and accessories with code PARANORMGIRL30. All right, let's get to our guest. Please enjoy my conversation with paranormal investigator Hannah Bird. 
Hannah is a 23-year-old paranormal investigator and Ouija board collector from Las Vegas, Nevada. She currently lives in Seattle, Washington, and travels all over the country to investigate haunted locations with her boyfriend and several friends she's met through the paranormal community. In her free time, you can find her cuddling with her four guinea pigs, getting her degree in literary history, watching horror films, and reading classic literature. Please welcome to the show, Hannah Bird, lead investigator of Spooky Bee Paranormal. Hi, thank you for having me. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for coming on today. I'm, uh, I'm incredibly excited and willing to spend the entire time, if need be, uh, talking about your four guinea pigs. <laughs> yes, they are the best. I just added my fourth one like three weeks ago. They are Jeepers, uh, Oreo, Dakota, and Peanut. Oh my gosh, that is so cute! I love that. I used to have guinea pigs back uh, back when I was a kid. I've got I've got four animals myself: two dogs and two cats. So quite a bit different, but uh, I'm a big animal lover. I love that. Well, my uh, questions for you are probably going to be all over the place today. I can already tell um, your your bio alone is very interesting to me. So. Seattle. Yeah. That's amazing. I, it, I, uh, that's where I hail from. I'm, I'm from the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's gorgeous up there. I was in Tacoma, Puyallup, Renton. You, you'd be familiar. Oh, yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're actually heading up. We're going to be moving back up to your neck of the woods here in the next month or so from Louisiana. Oh. Um, so, you know, maybe someday uh, I'll get to go on a adventure with you or something. Yes. Let's make a plan. Let's make it happen when you're up here. Absolutely. All right. So your degree in literary history. Yes. Um, that I, I imagine there's quite a, a big component of research done with that. Do you, does that ever coincide or come in handy with your paranormal investigating? Yes, actually it does. So a lot of the stuff I read is texts and components that were from Europe in the 13 to 1500s. That's kind of my area that I study the most. And so there's a lot of translating. I'm actually able to fluently read old English. Whoa. Um, so I was also that girl who read like the Canterbury Tales and Beowulf for fun. And like, I love Shakespeare. So it was kind of a no brainer. And it has helped a lot because researching kind of like the history of the paranormal there's a lot that comes out of europe from that time but it's so hard to read because either a it's in a different language or it is in old english which is english but it sounds so weird the first <laughs> time you read it you're like so are they talking about a ghost or are they talking about a goat i really can't tell here right right well yeah and they they literally use different letters right like f's or s's that kind of thing like so you have to interpret that yep wow i uh gosh i had to read canterbury tales back in middle school and i remember just hating it <laughs> i love it it's one of my favorite classic <laughs> <laughs> Well, all right. Well, uh, that kind of leads me into I, I'm such a lover of books um, as well as you can tell behind me. She, she's got yeah. the video on me. Um, I would be remiss if I if I did not you know, recognize my fellow reader. What uh, what's your favorite classic? My favorite classic, honestly. So you're you're going to laugh at me, but it's probably Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. No, not laughing at all. That's that's fantastic. <laughs> that's a great book. 
I think it's one of the most beautifully written classic horror novels. I fell in love with it when I was in high school and continue to be in love with it today. I just think the language she writes is just so complex yet simple and beautiful at the same time. Yeah, she was uh, an incredible writer. Yeah. Well, um, all right. Well, I want to, I think we should probably get into the topic that brought you on today. Uh, how long have you been a paranormal investigator? So I've been a paranormal investigator and urban explorer for about 10 years, but I've kind of in the past seven solely shifted my focus to hard investigating, I guess you could call it. Um, investigating with a purpose, I guess you could say. I kind of just started when I was really young locally just kind of wandering around abandoned buildings with my friends with my cell phone my little flip phone recording audio and uh eventually um I really actually only started traveling in the past like two years to do it because I met the right people but I just stayed local I also apologize if you hear any squeaking those are the guinea pigs (laughs) (laughs) it's it's good (laughs) ambiance apologize in advance Oh, that's all right. Well, um, so your team, Spooky Bee Paranormal, are, did you found that? So <laughs> I had started my Instagram kind of paranormal page as such a Spooky Bee, and I had just started to kind of condense all of my you know paranormal posts and experiences in one place. And then eventually people started asking like if I had like merch or what my team was and I didn't ever plan to make it into something like that. So it kind of just turned into, I guess I need an official name and I need an official kind of brand name for this stuff because people want it. So then I turned it into Spooky Bee Paranormal. I got you. I got you. Well, um, that's a cute, <laughs> it's a really cute name. I love it. <laughs> Uh, what what do you think was the the real motivation that kind of set you down this path? So when I was really young in my the house that I grew up in, in my bedroom, I used to see this woman in these very pretty kind of 1960s blue and white pantsuit and kind of a frilly blouse and these beautiful pants. And she would just kind of sit in my room by I had a sliding glass door that led out to the porch And she would just kind of stand or sit there and like look out the window. And I knew it wasn't my mom because like I knew what my mom looked like. I was very young at the time. I must have been like four when I first saw her. And I didn't really quite understand what I was seeing because she'd be there. And then I'd kind of look away for a second and look back and she'd be gone. And I actually never told anybody about this until about a year ago. Um, But I never really quite understood what that was. And then I decided kind of pretty early on that there was something, something kind of more to it than what my little brain could handle. And when I got old enough, and then I discovered ghost adventures, thanks Zach Bagans, um, I kind of figured that this was something that I could do myself and kind of started looking into how I could do that. And that kind of led me to the urban exploring. And I never found out who that woman was, but she kind of kicked it off for me as my first kind of overall experience with the paranormal. Oh, interesting. So how how long did you see her? Was it just the, the one time, a couple times? No, it was months. It was months and months and months, actually leading up to when we moved out of that house. I uh, So I guess it was actually more years that I saw her because we moved out before I started sixth grade, I think. So 
it was a good couple of years. It wasn't like every night, but it was like once or twice a week that I'd see her. And like, she never said anything to me. She never did anything. Like I never felt threatened, um, which is funny because I had an insane fear of like anything spooky or scary growing up. Right. It drives my parents nuts that I do this now. They're like, we just, you know what? If you're happy, you're happy. We just don't get it. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I don't, I never found out who she was, but I saw her a lot. And like, again, we never spoke. She never really moved or did anything. She was just there. Did she uh, see you? You know, I, I'd like to think she did. Cause like she made eye contact with me, but I, I don't know. I don't know if it was just like her looking through me or if she was actually seeing me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, God, that, what an uh, incredible experience. And it, it, it brings up a lot of questions as far as like, what's, what's really going on when we're seeing these apparitions and having these experiences. And, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting point to bring up is, you know, is it like the movie, you know, the, was it the others that, you know, they, they don't know, like, and they're just experiencing their life, you know, as usual. And uh, it's kind of these two worlds rubbing up against each other, you know, coinciding like that, or is it intelligent? Are they very aware, you know? Um, so fascinating. Well, so you, uh, you travel quite a bit for these, uh, your investigations. And I saw recently on Twitter that you went to Waverly Hills. Yes. Now, um, I, I, shame on me as a paranormal podcaster. I do not actually know much about it. I don't know its history. I don't know if you can talk about it, but, uh, you know, if you could maybe tell us a little bit about what you know about Waverly Hills, and I would love to hear your adventures there. Yes. So that was actually my second time going. I went last year and Waverly is kind of considered like a rite of passage among like the paranormal community. Like you have to investigate there at least once. It is the most beautiful building. I've been obsessed with that building for like over half of my life at this point. And it, so it was a sanitarium, sanatorium, excuse me, Mm -hmm. sanitarium um, for tuberculosis. And it was one of the most like high-end high-class world-class facilities there was I think at one point a waiting list of like years oh wow to get in if I'm trying to remember what because I actually took the history tour for the first time this time around I only took the paranormal tour last time so we learned a lot (laughs) but it's five stories 180,000 square feet and if you want to put it as Zach Bagans put it it's a giant bat wing building so it has wings spanning out on either side, just long stretch of hallways. It's gorgeous Gothic architecture. And after Waverly Hills closed down, it became Woodhaven Geriatric Center, which is kind of less known. Um, I don't want to ramble too much because I'm not fully well-versed in the history of it. But so uh, going back to when it was Waverly Hills, kind of like the iconic thing that people know about Waverly Hills is the solariums because the entire back of the building is just layers upon layers of just open air solariums Mm -hmm. where they would roll patients out during the day. So they would have as much fresh air and sunshine as possible because that was thought to be one of the best, you know, cures for tuberculosis at the time was just the fresh air. And (laughs) 
we were there. It was super windy. So like we couldn't do any like EVPs or anything because there was just so much noise pollution because it is open. Like out of the floors, like one through four, how they're designed is you have a back hallway and then you have patient rooms and then you have open air solariums, which are completely open. So if there's wind, it is windy across that whole floor. Yeah, yeah. Crapshoot for uh, <laughs> getting any audio. Yeah. Great for Estes sessions because we couldn't hear anything, but anything else, we're like, we're just going to go somewhere else. But this time around, we I was with four of my or five of my friends and my boyfriend, and we did a bunch of Estes sessions. And one of the common haunts uh, that people talk about is this, uh, the character, the old caretaker's dog, Sadie. And the sad story is, uh, Sadie and the caretaker were murdered by a group of teenagers back when we, before Waverly Hills became what it was. Um, oh my God. One of the saddest stories I think that has come out of Waverly Hills just because of the senselessness of it. Um, but Sadie and her care and her owner are two of the common spirits or ghosts, if you will, that people encounter at Waverly Hills. And we were doing an Estes session in the lobby, the main admin area. And there's a video of it on my Instagram where uh, Amber, my friend and I were both under Estes. And she says, and if you don't know what an Estes session is, it's uh, combined sensory deprivation with paranormal investigating. So the people who are under Estes are wearing noise canceling headphones connected to a spirit box and they're blindfolded. So that takes away the bias of like hearing what questions people are asking or reading lips. So you have that, you don't have that bias of when you're listening to spirit box responses. Right. Right. Um, but anyway, back to this video, we were doing an Estes session in the, in the, uh, the main admin area and Amber gets the response of Sadie. And then immediately I get the response of little dog. Um, and then I think the question that somebody had asked was something along the lines of like, what does Sadie look like? And Sadie was a puppy white dog. And then immediately I respond, she's like a snowball. Wow. Wow. Yeah. See that. Oh my gosh. I have heard of the Estes method before. I've heard the, the arguments for it, but it's surprisingly a lot of arguments and skepticism um, against it. And I don't really understand that. I have heard quite a few stories just just like this where it's confirmation yeah you know like a, a separate sources uh that that aren't biased like it's it's just confirmation like how can that not be actual communication exactly and i think i mean again when you're thinking of like paranormal investigating as a whole a lot of times I think it gets away from investigators that this whole thing is a pseudoscience. Like we understand how bits and pieces of it work, but not enough to where we can like, again, prove anything. So like, there's always going to be skepticism. There's always going to be people who, you know, don't believe you no matter what method you're using, no matter how tried and true it is. And I know that's like a really unpopular opinion among investigators. Like, no, I can prove it. Look at this evidence. No, like you can't prove something that there's no genuine scientific basis behind. Like it's cool. You get some really compelling stuff, but like I firmly stand behind the fact that until we have solid scientific backing behind the paranormal, it's always going to be a pseudoscience and we can never fully prove it no matter what method you're using. 
Right. And there's no time in the near future that we're absolutely going to get that <laughs> scientific backing. <laughs> but you know what? Like, I, I think we're making a lot of headway, too. Um, and, you know, if all else fails, you know, we should come up with our own. It can't be a scientific method, but the the method that is like the gold standard for paranormal investigating in general yeah. um because i i don't care what anybody say you, nobody can convince me that nothing is going on here that's just not yeah. something is happening um all right so do you primarily investigate like commercial or established places like like waverly hills do you uh do private residences um i'm very very picky about private residentials i i do Sometimes if a case is brought to me that I'm compelled enough to do, I've had enough sour experiences with people when I've done private investigations, not ghosts, people. Um, what do you mean by, by sour? Like, uh, It's not across the board, but a lot of times people are only looking for what they experience to be confirmed. And I've had the experience when my findings don't corroborate that or give them the answer that they want, I get bad mouthed and I get all sorts of crap for it. Um, so I'm very, I tend to be very picky about that because it's, I don't ever want to, like, I always take you at your word. Like, if you tell me that you're experiencing something, I believe you 110%. I believe every word you say, I will always take your word at face value. But uh, like, you know, spirits aren't dogs. Like just because I don't experience the same thing because I'm asking for it doesn't mean it didn't happen. And a lot of people don't understand that. They're like, well, then you must be a crap investigator if you're not experiencing the same things that I am. It's like, well, we're not all meant to experience it the way that you do. Right. Like some experiences are entirely your own. Like it, it doesn't, it's not meant to happen the same way to everybody. Like if everybody had the same experience at every single location, there'd be no need for everyone to continue investigating. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I would have to agree with you on that. Well, what's um? Would you say the that the Estes method at the Waverly Hills was like your coolest, uh, most exciting experience? Um, <laughs> I've done so many Estes sessions, and I will say all of my coolest experiences and scariest experiences have been under Estes. But I think over Waverly Hills specifically, the craziest experience I had was actually at the end of the night when I was helping our uh, one of our guides lock up the building and we were on the first floor and on the first floor there are these double doors that say don't open dead inside and to close them we put this massive probably at least 10 15 pound brick in front of the door we we're walking away now on the first floor it's enclosed so there's no draft no wind no nothing and it was just that it was me our guide and one other or two other uh people from our group and we're walking away towards the body chute and we hear this creaking and we like turn around and the door is slowly heavy, massive brick and all opening towards us. Oh no, no. And <laughs> I could not tell you why I've been chased down by shadow figures. I've had some very terrifying stuff happen to me for whatever reason that topped everything. I've never run up so many flights of stairs <laughs> so fast in my life. 
Oh no. It was terrifying. Like, and I, to be fair, I have never witnessed something like that before. I have never, you know, I've heard objects being moved. I've seen the aftermath of it. I've never seen it in action. So I think that just being like a new experience just terrified the living daylights out of me because I was shaking all the way back to the hotel. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I don't even know what I I would have probably outrun you. That's what I would have done. We were like shoving. (laughs) We were like, you're done. Get out. It's every woman for herself at this point. And then we sent the big, strong male guide down to finish locking up because we didn't want to do it. (laughs) And they're probably so used to it by now. They're like, yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's Phil. Yeah, we told him his name is Vince. He's so awesome. He's such a cool dude. And he's been he's been at Waverly since 2010. And he, he just looked at us. He was like, OK, and then went straight back down. And we were like, <laughs> okay. well, bye. Uh, so you said something there. What, what was it? Uh, dead. Don't open dead inside. Is, is that a like a prop for what they're doing with Waverly Hills now? Is that actual history there? Um, so I think the door was painted for their, I actually don't know fully, but as far as I know, the door was painted, the door itself is original, but the door was painted for, uh, their haunted attraction, which they're not doing currently because they're trying to focus on historical restoration versus their haunted, which is, it looks amazing. It's beautiful. They're trying to restore it back to the historical society is currently working to restore the hospital back to as close as they can to how it was when it was in operation, which I think is amazing. But yeah, I think the don't open dead inside is a scare factor. <laughs> All right. I, I, I got a hard question for you. Ah, you. It, uh, it, it might be divisive here, um, but uh, as a paranormal investigator, what is your actual opinion on the TV show Ghost Adventures? So I... Uh, Zach Bagans is a paranormal genius, first of all. No matter how much crap I ever talk about him, you cannot ever deny the fact that 90% of the paranormal community is what it is today because of him. He turned this little documentary that he made in 2004 in the middle of the Nevada desert into a multi-million dollar paranormal empire. Before the paranormal was even something at this point. And... I think over the years, the show has kind of deteriorated a little bit because like in the beginning, in the earlier seasons, they almost debunked everything to a fault to the point where, you know, people could be like, well, hold on a second. Like there might be something to the opposite end of the spectrum where they hear a noise and it's always a demon. Right, right. Yeah. Having met Zach Bagans, several times now at his museum in Las Vegas. He's an entertainer and he's a performer and he plays the part very well. I uh, was not very, I was, uh, <laughs> I was not very nice to him one time. I kind of, he, he popped in on a tour that I was on and I had asked him, he was talking about this one case saying how it was totally, de- totally demonic and all of this stuff. And I asked him because if you're going to claim something is actually demonic, you need to have the church verify that as well. So I asked him genuinely out of curiosity. I think people think I did it out of spite, but I was genuinely curious. I didn't know. I asked him if he had 
gotten the church involved because he's one of the people who has a pull to do that. And not many investigators do. And if you have, that's really cool. And he kind of looked like I'd kicked him in the balls after I asked him that. (laughs) (laughs) This was a while ago, so I'm hoping if I run into him again, he's completely forgotten that. Uh, (laughs) I'm sure it's not the first time he's, you know, been questioned or, or gotten something like that. But I mean, the show built what the paranormal community is, but I just think that it's kind of lost its way in Hollywood, if you know what I mean. I do. I do. I, uh, you know, I, I have a similar opinions about the Warrens, actually, who are, you know, a throwback there. Uh, but, you know, I, I feel like what they did really laid some some important groundwork for all of us, um, no matter what their ultimate, you know, financial gains or goals were. Um, they yeah. did. So I, I would agree with you, actually. Um, he's an, an incredible performer and an incredible businessman. But yes. uh, you, you brought up something interesting. I forgot. I, I hadn't thought about it in a long time. But yeah, you're right. Like back at the beginning of that show, they were trying to do more of a like, okay, we're debunking, we're debunking, this is debunked, blah, 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 blah. Something along the lines of what uh, taps, is it Ghost Hunters now, their, their show? tries to do quite a bit and i don't think they draw as many people in but then i guess realizing that they needed to keep a wrapped audience um they they started going this way that everything everything is a demon everything and all other teams kind of caught on to that so everyone was saying everything's a demon so i just finished a season on demons and possession first of all do do you actually have or have been led to believe that there is that demons are real i think in terms of like demons demonic possession and all of that stuff i think if you believe that there's a god or a higher power which i personally do i think you have to believe in the opposite that there is you know the anti the the demons or whatever working against that and while i'm not i'm not strictly religious I definitely have my own thoughts on that. I do believe it's possible. Like if you're going to believe in the paranormal, why not kind of the deal? Like my approach to the paranormal is until I get enough compelling evidence to think otherwise, why not? And for me personally, I've never encountered anything I would even entertain as possibly demonic or a demon but I've heard stories from people and I've read encounters. I do a lot of reading about the paranormal that compel me enough to believe that yes, demons are real. Possession is possible. Um, Do I believe that possession looks like, you know, the exorcist where 360 degree head spinning and vomiting green goo and all that? No, but I believe that it is definitely possible. And it's definitely a very scary prospect. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think we're on the same page there. Um, but, uh, you know, maybe you can answer the old, the age old question, like, why is it always a demon for these people? Is it is it purely a religious standpoint? I think, honestly, for me, when I've encountered people, because there's always one person on an investigation who wants to think it's a demon. It's more interesting. It's more exciting if it's a demon. It's scarier. It, like, you know, I always think of like 
it's it's Hollywood. You need adjectives that pull an audience in. Like so, simply saying something is like not nice or evil or just malevolent or whatever you want to say is not going to pull somebody in as much as if you're going to go out there and say that it's demonic. So, I mean, from my own experience, I think that it's just people want it to be something more than it is. Yeah. And saying that it's a demon is like, you encounter a demon, you've made it in the paranormal. Like there's nowhere else to go from there. You've met the, I guess you could say you encountered the devil himself after that, but you know, it's so much cooler to say, oh, this was definitely a demonic spirit versus saying, oh, there was a spirit that just really didn't like me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like ultimately, I mean, yeah, no, it was just a a, a negative sort. Um, Not necessarily demonic, but you're right. It is more exciting. And that this subject itself is so shrouded in mystery still for so many people across the board that it's it's become kind of this blanket term for negativity or a dark energy which isn't necessarily bad but no. as soon as you stamp it with demonic um yeah it makes it something else um now a lot of paranormal investigators will also run into something called the shadow people as you mentioned um i personally have a, a special affinity i guess you could say for the shadow people, but oftentimes they are found in situations that would be deemed demonic hauntings and, you know, locations, um, infested locations. In your experience, have you found them to be, I won't say demonic, because I don't want to use that term, but negative, dark, malevolent? You know, I think it's really interesting. I have my own theories surrounding shadow people, one of them being that they're not always spirits of past individuals, but they're just a manifestation of negative built up energy, especially at a place like Waverly Hills, where the shadow people are plenty and plentiful and many and multiple. I definitely think that there has to be a powerful energy backing a shadow figure for it to manifest in such a way where you see a solid black outline of a human humanoid if you will, form. And I mean, thinking of, you know, going into like psychology, negative emotions are more powerful than positive ones. A lot of the time, anger, fear, frustration, hate, a lot of those are considered so much more powerful than positivity and happiness and love and that kind of stuff. So I don't necessarily think every shadow figure you encounter is evil or malevolent because there's been far and a few times in the times that I've encountered shadow figures that it's interacted with me. The only real time it's been, I've had a shadow figure fully interact with me. I was at Fairfield County Infirmary in Lancaster, Ohio, and I was in the basement um, physician's office sitting on one of the tables, just doing an EVP session by myself. And I look over to the doorway and there's this probably like, you know, almost six foot tall black figure of a human standing there and he's just standing there watching me. And so I kind of stand up and I'm getting ready to leave. I don't feel great about this. And he rushes at me. Oh, wow. And I run, I've never experienced anything like that since then or before then. Um, and I don't particularly want to, but the other nine times out of 10 that I've experienced these shadow figures, it just looks like they're more scared of me than I am of them. Right. Okay. It's just like a head popping out of a doorway or running across the hall or just like turning a corner and then there's no one there. Um, wow. 
that's an incredibly scary situation. I, I, I might be more scared of the, of the shadow person running me down for, for no reason at all. Maybe, maybe they are afraid and they were surprised as, as, uh, as I was, but, uh, I would be terrified, uh, if that happened to me, but yeah, was it great. Wouldn't recommend doing that again. <laughs> Zero out of five stars. Zero out of five stars. <laughs> so in all of the time that you have spent with the paranormal at this level have you have you made any discoveries um about entities or or energies that maybe isn't in the mainstream maybe surprised you that that you now believe but most people wouldn't know what to think or, or would be surprised by that um i didn't personally only come up with this. It's kind of been something circulating in my group of paranormal friends, but we've been talking about how you don't really have to be dead to leave behind a footprint at a location. There, I think that as investigators, you put a lot of energy into a location and that energy leaves a footprint. Like for example, uh, I was at Wilson Castle in Vermont um, last year and it was an overnight, so we were sleeping there. And uh, my fellow investigator and I, we were sleeping up on the second floor and we heard one of the owners, his name is Andy, walking around downstairs. We heard his voice and Andy is very much alive and well and thriving. He's definitely not dead. So we got up because we thought, ooh, like we're running late. If Andy's here, we gotta get going because tours are gonna start soon. So we go downstairs, nobody's there. And um, two other investigators that I work with a lot, um, they property manage a location in New York and they've heard, they've said they've heard their own voices up uh, or people have heard their voices or seen them up at that location when they haven't been there. And they spend a lot of time there. They put a lot of time and energy into that location. And I think that if spirits you know, if we go on the basis that spirits need energy to interact with you, it makes sense that we as living humans who exert a lot of energy can leave a footprint behind at a location. Oh, wow. That is fascinating. So with the with the first example of you, you heard uh, Andy downstairs, yeah. what inclines you to think that that was that was specifically his energy that, that you know, he just left that footprint as opposed to something mimicking? You know, we don't know. We just being honest, we have no idea, but in, in the sense of our own experiences, we kind of figured that's what it was. It is very possible. I have, I've had a personal experience with something mimicking me at Waverly Hills last year. Um, a group got my voice on EVP recorder when I was many, many, many feet down the hall away from them and didn't say anything. Wow. And, you know, people were to be that I did not open my mouth. I didn't say anything, but you listen to that EVP recording. It is 110% my voice. Across the board with the paranormal, we just don't know. We have theories. We do our investigations. We come up with these ideas, but they could be any number of things. Just with, you know, those experiences that we have, we kind of just form our own ideas and theories and beliefs. I got you. I got you. Okay. Um, now, a lot of people think that Ouija boards in general are a tool of the demonic, uh, but you collect them. I, <laughs> so, I have multiple. <laughs> I see that. My goodness. Well, uh, do, you, small bit. <laughs> do you use them? 
No, I don't. So, I mean, looking at what Ouija boards originally were, they were nothing more than a board game. They were a family board game Mm -hmm. created in the very late 1800s. And I'm of the belief that it really became thought of as something evil after the exorcism came out and all those movies started coming out where the victim, if you will, was possessed after using a Ouija board. I fully believe that Ouija boards, just like any other investigation tool, can be used to contact spirits, but I in no way think they are inherently evil or demonic in any way. I think that over time, do I think bad things could happen? Sure. Like it's again, like until I'm, I get enough evidence for myself, otherwise, why not? But I personally have never, I have never had anything happen. I have used a Ouija board once on an investigation. Zilch. Planchette didn't move. Nothing happened. No activity was brought up from it. Um, like, I get some crap for the one in the middle over there. We have it on video. That one's over 100 years old. That one's from 1914. And, you know, you could, you, uh, so many people make the argument of like, oh, but you don't know the history of the board. It's like, yeah, but it hangs in my living room. And like, my house is definitely, my apartment's like stupid haunted, but I, don't think any of it has to do with the Ouija boards. Like I collect them because I think they're very beautiful. And I think the variety and history behind them is really cool. But I think Hollywood has twisted them so much from what they were originally meant to be that now it's just this twisted idea that's very profitable, super profitable, that boards, especially older ones, are now inherently haunted or evil. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think we're on the same page with that. And like, come on, any you don't know the history of of anything. You go into any antique shop and you pick up, you know, a glass shoe, a yeah, an old umbrella. You don't know, like anything. I'm kind of of the belief too that anything could have that kind of energy or attachment, whatever. But not necessarily the the Ouija board itself is not necessarily evil or demonic or whatever you know it's it's a not it's a board game like yes all right uh well i uh, i used to do um a round of speed round questions uh, at the end of these conversations way back in the day it's something i i really miss and would love to bring back if you're open to it i'd love to just throw some random questions at you and uh, i'm just curious let's go i'm ready all right all right so why did you name your guinea pigs that? <laughs> um, so Jeepers' full name is actually Jeepers Creepers after the horror movie series. And uh, Oreo is black and white. I will give you a show and tell before I say goodbye to you. Oh, yay! Uh, double stuffed Oreo cookie. Um, Dakota was named. Uh, I have a friend. I had a friend who... Um, was very into destination fear. So she named Dakota after Dakota Layden. Peanut, literally, I saw him in the pet store. Originally, I was going to name him Bean. And then eventually, I just kind of started nicknaming him my little Peanut. So I was like, your name's just Peanut and your nickname is Sir Bean. Like, that's just what it is. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Oh, I love that. I used to work at an animal store and we had the cutest little guinea pig. They all have such cute names, adorable. And his his name was Truffle. And uh, just adorable. And he was, he was a little truffle pig. Um, All right. Top three horror films. Go. 
uh, The Conjuring, It Follows, and A Quiet Place. Oh, such a good selection. It Follows. Mm-hmm. All right. What type of location can you always count on to be active for you? Hospitals. Really? Yes. The amount of just death in general that hospitals see and the amount of suffering and negativity just inherently, not necessarily from like mistreatment or anything, but like from the pain of the patients who are suffering there. I feel like there's always energy and there's always just I've never been to a hospital that I didn't have some form of experience that just made me go. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. There's a, there's a real stagnant emotional component to those types of places. I I agree. Um, All right. You, you are on a deserted purportedly haunted Island and you're only allowed one piece of equipment. What is it? Digital recorder. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love <Yeah>. it. <laughs> Old school. I love it. All oh, right. Yeah. Uh, what is the worst part about being in the paranormal community and what is the best? I think the worst part about being in the paranormal community is the inherent drama that comes with a lot of people who are simply there to get clout or become famous. And inherently that comes with faking evidence, not being the most honest or best person. And that leads to a lot of hurt feelings and frustration and anger and unnecessary drama. And I think the best part of the paranormal community has to be the community itself because you form your own community. And I've just met the most amazing, incredible people. Like I met my boyfriend at an abandoned hospital in West Virginia. Like you just meet the most amazing people ever. I love them. I, it's just, it's been the greatest experience of my life. Oh, well, wonderful. Well, thank you for indulging me with those speed round questions. Um, sure. All right. We, uh, we are close to wrapping up. Before we go, where can my listeners follow you and uh, learn more about your investigations in Spooky Bee Paranormal? Yes. So I'm most active on my Instagram page, which will be at such a spooky underscore B. And I have a TikTok of the same username, Um, those are going to be the places where you can find me most. I have two back-to-back investigations coming up next week in Pennsylvania. I'll be at Crescent Prison and Green County Poorhouse. So if you follow me, um, there'll be lots of videos, lots of footage and lives from that, hopefully. Um, yeah. And I've got some fun stuff coming up. Wonderful. All right, everybody. So go follow her over on the Instagram, TikTok. Uh, stay, uh, stay involved with her, her adventures and whatnot. Um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to hearing about those upcoming uh, investigations. So before we close the episode, are there any final thoughts or words of wisdom you would like to leave with everybody? I think if you uh are hesitant about starting a journey in the paranormal or just don't know where to start, my best advice for you is just do it. Like bring your cell phone, bring yourself. You are your best piece of equipment, you and your instinct and just have fun with it. It's been the best choice that I ever made and it's such a fun journey to take. Lead investigator at Spooky Bee Paranormal, Hannah Bird, ladies and gents. Thank you again, Hannah. I've really enjoyed this. Thank you. Yay. Oh, that was so fun. Hannah is just the coolest. Am I right? 
be sure to go follow her at the links in the show notes to stay posted on all of her future investigations and discoveries. Join me next week for a conversation that has been postponed far too many times, but I've really been looking forward to it and to sharing it with you all. Will Whalen is an empath and writer, but so much more. I don't think I've met anyone who completely encompasses the descriptor jack-of-all-trades quite like he does. That is in regards to everyday life and the spiritual. We've had long conversations about his life and paranormal experiences for months, and it finally occurred to me to just have him come on the dang show. So look forward to that. Follow the show on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok at ParanormGirlPod. I have no idea how I let this milestone pass by undetected, but I've got over a thousand followers on TikTok. I can do lives over there now, or so I'm told. Oh, the power I wield. (laughs) Just kidding. I I don't know what to do with that. I've been itching to do another live, I suppose. So stay tuned. All for now, folks. I'll catch you back here same time, same place next week. In the meantime, stay safe, keep the nightlight on, and sleep with one eye open. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109.